I'm Kevin Bixby, Executive Director of the Southwest Environmental Center and your host for today's program, which was pre-recorded. Well, the weather is definitely heating up in southern New Mexico, and that means it's snake season. On today's show, we'll be talking about how to live with snakes, snake biology and behavior, snake conservation, and much more. My guest is Melissa Amarello, Executive Director of the nonprofit Advocates for Snake Preservation, uh, and I believe you're based in Silver City. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hi, Kevin. It's nice to be here. And yeah, we are based in Silver City now. Okay. Well, I love your acronym. It's probably one of the best I've ever seen, ASP. <laughs> so uh, tell us about ASP. How did it come to be and, and what do you guys do? Yeah, so um, my, my partner, Jeff Smith and I, he's the, the co-founder, the other co-founder of ASP. Um, we worked in sort of like traditional conservation biology um, for a long time. We met and started doing that work around 2002. And, you know, a lot of that work, it was, you know, there's going to be a, a prescribed burn or there's going to be a new development put in. And, you know, it was our job to, to assess the potential impact of those things on the reptile community. And because of our own interest and also who we, who we worked for, um, we were usually focused on snakes, especially rattlesnakes. Um, and, you know, what we noticed when we were working at these different places, so this was often, um, you know, the area around a golf course, or in the case of some of the prescribed fires, um, they were at national parks. And so we would often interact with the public and just people that lived there, people that recreated in those areas while we were doing our work. And if, you know, anyone else who's ever done that type of stuff, um, when you're out there like swinging around a big antenna, conducting radio telemetry or carrying, you know, nets and collection tools, um, People are really interested in, in science and science gear. And so they would often stop and ask what we were doing. And we would tell them, and they were very interested and often enthusiastic until we got to the part about who we were, <laughs> who we were working at and what, you know, who we were trying to assess the, the impact on. And, you know, at best, most people would be kind of apathetic, just like, who cares if this impacts? snakes negatively. And at worst, and this was not uncommon, you know, they would say, well, wouldn't that be good? I mean, don't we want the golf course or the fire to drive away all the snakes, especially the rattlesnakes, because they're dangerous to have around a place where people want to be. And so we came to realize after doing this work for nearly a decade that all of those data that we collected to find out how we could have less of an impact or a positive impact or just, you know, how best to manage um, these projects for the conservation of snakes. None of it really mattered if the public didn't support it because if they, you know, don't care or worse, like, you know, want to do the opposite of what is good for the native snakes, um, then that science kind of doesn't really matter. Um, and it's, it, it's a bit more than just a, you know, a theoretical thing in our head, you know, as this was occurring to us, um, we also started to see in other scientists from other parts of the country's presentations or accounts and books where they would talk about 
projects actually being shut down um, when the locals found out, especially when it's um, a venomous snake or and like a rattlesnake, um, they would just shut these projects down because they didn't want <laughs> they didn't want the snakes around, and so they didn't want them helped. And so we realized that there was this real need for helping people to understand the snakes better so that they would like them and so they would be more supportive of their conservation. And so we started to step away so much from research and to really focus our work on education. And that was why we formed Advocates for Snake Preservation was to fill that educational need um, by just um, a lot of our work is just trying to get people more familiar with snakes because we're naturally scared and apprehensive and tend to worry about things that we that of the unknown things we don't understand and a lot of what most people think they do know about snakes are based on myths and misunderstandings that are largely tell negative stories about snakes it's it's such a challenge uh in the field of wildlife conservation to um raise awareness of the value of a lot of different species that people aren't inclined to like or have, you know, um, uh, accepted myths about, you know, of course, uh, we work a lot with wolves and wolves are persecuted and coyotes widely persecuted. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's the same for snakes. Um, so uh, what does ask do you go by that acronym, ASP? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> or advocates. Okay. Okay. What does what are some of your specific programs for promoting coexistence with snakes? Yeah. So, um, so when we started, it was pretty pure education. Um, so we were coming off a time when we had been doing a lot of work with, um, and we and we still do some of this, but we had been doing a lot of it at the time. Uh, with remote cameras, especially remote time-lapse cameras, because they're better at capturing snake behavior than the, the motion-censored cameras that people use for mammals. Um, so we had all, all of these time-lapse pictures that we had turned into time-lapse videos and, and used some, some other remote cameras to like set up GoPros um, to capture social behavior and videos of mommy rattlesnakes taking care of their babies. and social behavior and the family dynamics of rattlesnakes are a couple different um, types of behavior that, that people don't know a lot about. I mean, most most people still, <laughs> 10 years later, like kind of laugh at you when you talk about snakes being social and, you know, still don't, don't believe, even though it's been in the science literature for almost 30 years now that um, rattlesnakes do take care of their babies. Um, at least for the first couple weeks, and possibly some bonds and relationships last even longer than that. Um, and and those are the types of behaviors that people like. You know, it's something different than what you usually hear about snakes when, you know, even in documentaries, you know, people just focus on how big they are, how scary they are, how venomous they are. Um, so we started off by using um, the footage we had of wild snakes just doing their thing since they were remote cameras. Um, there was no human there filming them, so they weren't behaving defensively. They weren't rattling. Um, they're not reacting to a threat in any way. They're just kind of hanging out, living their lives. And on one hand, that sounds almost boring. 
it's such a different thing, it's such a different picture of snakes than than you've ever seen in any documentary. You just don't get to see them like that. And and like you said, that's true of predators in general that we tend to focus on, you know, the scary, the exciting. I mean, that's kind of like how news goes of just about anything now. Um, so that was how we started. We made videos. We would tell these stories of individual snakes. Um, we used names. And, and with the storytelling form, that really helped people empathize with them in a way that you don't get by just citing facts and figures, even when it's about things that people, um, you know, that are beneficial to people about snakes, like how many, how many rodents they can eat and, you know, how they play an important part in the ecosystem. Telling a story about Woody, this female that we've been, that we've known for 11 years and, you know, getting to see her protect her babies squirrels and getting to show people what that looks like. Um, that was sort of our, our first step and the first thing the organization really focused on just to, to make people more familiar. As time has gone on, in addition to continuing to develop and tell those stories, um, we've also worked, done some advocacy work on a few, a few issues, um, some bills in different state legislatures that either targeted snakes specifically, like one in Arizona, it would have made an exception to um, not being able to fire guns in uh, cities and other like um, busy with a lot of people places. Um, they wanted to create an exception so that if you were shooting at a snake, it's totally fine to be discharging a gun like in downtown Phoenix or whatever, which is so dangerous for reasons that have nothing to do with um, you know harming snakes. And that is one bill that through our advocacy work, we were able to, to put a stop to and ended up not passing through the, the whole legislature there. Um, we did some advocacy work related to rattlesnake roundups, um, just getting some more international attention for them that was not positive for the roundups, but showing that there's another side, another side that is not just an animal rights thing, but is very much a, these are unsustainable practices that damage the ecosystem bigger than just the snakes even. Um, and we also continue to do the research looking at social behavior um, and just a lot of other sort of everyday natural history and behavior things that enable us to keep sharing those stories. And, you know, as we got out with people and, you know, help them to be more familiar with snakes, we realized that there was still another step that was needed for a lot of people because here in the Southwest, um, it is not uncommon. I'm sure this is true in Las Cruces too. It was in Tucson, it was in Phoenix, and, and it is in Silver City for snakes, especially rattlesnakes, to show up in someone's backyard. And it's one thing to be into watching a video or hear a talk about a venomous snake, you know, doing these neat things. It's quite another to be okay with having one in your yard or just knowing what is the safe thing to do for you and your family and also in a way that's not going to harm the snake once we've got them to you know be interested in not harming the snake so so that has led us to where um, we focus a lot of our work now which is on helping people coexist with snakes in a way that is 
you know, has the least impact on our native snakes, but also is safe for people and their pets and their kids. That's fantastic. It sounds like you're uh, taking a multi-pronged approach to uh, achieving your mission of promoting coexistence. Um, yeah, we do have a lot of snakes here in Las Cruces, and uh, I'm I'm a volunteer in the neighborhood uh, to relocate uh, rattlesnakes that people don't want in their yard. Um, so I do whatever I can to prevent people or discourage people from killing them as a solution. Um, let's see, so that's great about the Arizona bill that you, I wanna hear more about that. I wanna hear more about roundups, but uh, we have to take a short break. So uh, stay tuned, we'll be right back. 